kicking the show off with our interview with Dr. Lisa Anderson about her beguiling exhibition at the Victorian Pride Centre, which is happening there until January the 5th. Thank you, James. Nice to be here. It's a multimedia exploration of changing landscapes and environmental collapse. Pretty much, yes. Wow. Tell us more. (laughs) Okay. I'm an artist, clearly, and have spent quite a long time in the Arctic and the Antarctic on residencies in particular. Over the last, I think the first time I went was 2007, so quite a while, and um, it was always a challenge for me to understand that landscape. But I went uh, with a lot of international companies um, and expeditions and just photographing all of those works. And I'd be working on them and I'd do exhibitions with them. But during COVID, you you could only work with what you had. So I dug out some of the data that I could still open. And I mean, there were images I'd never seen because... I, I never had time to open them and contemplate them and think about what they were because on those expeditions I'd take thousands and thousands of photographs and so I've got to replay with those and what I was thinking about was the doomsday clock which is a clock that's set up by scientists and some political theorists and they work on Um, the dangers to the destruction of the planet. Now, they can include, and mostly do include, climate change, war, possible declaration of war, migration of people, range of things. So for the first time ever, the clock is set at 90 seconds to midnight, which is scary because basically it means if if these things all go wrong at once, um, we're... So you went to some of the most remote and the most endangered parts of the planet and took thousands of of photos. Tell us more about some of those locations. Okay. The locations themselves are fascinating places. Um, For instance, I was on the 100th crossing of the Northwest Passage and in those days, you know, which has a romantic notion to it, but it was a science expedition led by a Russian scientist team, um, and it was um, a restaging, really, of of the way through. And the places are all fascinating. I did work with Inuit artists in different places, uh, particularly throat singing, uh, which is amazing. Throat singing in the Arctic is uh, only done by women. It's not done by the men. Um, whereas throat singing, there's some other place that does it and it's only done by the men. So in this case, it's the women. And what it is, is I'm sure you've seen pictures of Inuit people with the baby in a little thing. And um, so they sing in a way that is the story of the landscape, the animals, the ice crashing, those noises. And they use each other. It's two people do it together. And they use each other as a boombox so that the noises come through and the baby hanging on the back or on the tummy hears the noise and is comforted by this. So it's just a way of life. How did you end up with a Russian team going through the Northwest Passage? (laughs) It was an international um, thing where the company was looking for uh, particular kinds of 
photographers and artists. I think on that one, I wasn't there to photograph, but I did take thousands of photographs. Um, they wanted to get on this disappearing part of the planet an artist's understanding of it rather than scientists coming back with data, which was just cold. Um, fabulous stuff, brilliant stuff, but unless we relate through to it, we don't get it. We just don't as people. So beguiling includes photographs of landscapes that possibly have never been photographed before. Yes, and may not exist any longer because some of those photographs were taken of glaciers that I was saying to that, that aren't there anymore. So, I mean, you've seen firsthand what's at risk from climate change. And that's, that's exactly why I've kind of gone into this. Beguiling is an interesting word, I think. In fact, my wife was one of the ones who came up with it and thought that was a good one. Um, and I'd had an, another title that worked around beguiling. But the thing is, beguiling is a mix of absolute beauty with a trickster underneath it. So, in a way, we're the tricksters because we're the ones making sure everything goes wrong, really. Um, but um, there is a beauty in apocalypse. So, it's saying that. But instead of just saying it's beautiful, I've taken the photographs, I've printed them, and I've used timer fuse on them, which is, you know, in the movies where you see a fuse and it burns and they run away to somewhere and you see the burn go. That's a timer fuse because they burn at a certain rate. That's how you know how long you've got to run. So I've burnt timer fuse across them in different ways so that and filmed that and I've used that to make some of the video works that I've made to go with this show. And that's the countdown idea. It's that we're such destructive extractive creatures we leave junk behind in the arctic and the antarctic all the time we're just like that so you have video footage of some of these locations as well yeah wow yeah so it's the those places but i've also tied it into my local landscape and its changes because unless we make the connection between fabulous remoteness that we go oh that's so beautiful and here we, lo we lose the point of what beguiling is about so I've taken I like to use folklore in different storytelling because I think folklore is often about landscape and weather it's how we approach it it's it's a story about when the giants and the gods fought you know for the control of something Raganov, which is one of the things so there are all these kind of folklore stories and so I photographed around Port Phillip because I've just been I am still the uh, Rupert Bunny fellow for Port Phillip which is quite an honor and they've supported the show um, and that that's been fabulous to do that. But it meant I could bring in Port Phillip as a way. So I've taken several images. And the funny thing about that was when I was out taking them, I've, I've made infrared photos before um, with infrared work. And I've done that in the Himalayas in particular because that's, that's called the third pole. And I was interested in poles. And it's about the ice mass in case you're going to ask the next question. Um so I was using infrared and I made a mistake with one of the colour formations that I did. So instead of being true infrared, it hints at infrared, but it's got this other 
otherworldly red glow that reminded me of... Do you remember those photos of Malakuta when it burned? Yes. People on the beach? That's the colour. Wow. Very apocalyptic. Absolutely. So it became, and because I was photographing on the beach, there's that film that was made in 1957 called On the Beach, which was about Melbourne being the last place on earth with Ava Gardner. Ava Gardner, yes. And of course, you know, Port Phillip, you mentioned them, they're at risk really of rising sea levels and parts of Port Phillip being potentially swallowed up. So all of those developed areas on the shoreline could go. Yes, pretty shorelines are something new. (laughs) I've got to ask you, Lisa, what is the location that you just find the most breathtaking that you've been to and photographed? Oh, gee, that's hard. I bet. Um, Oh, there's just too many. I can't. What's the most kind of shocking location? Was there a location that you went to and um, you were like, I'm really shocked about what's happening here, perhaps because of the climate degradation? I I think maybe I would go to Svalbard. Where's that? (laughs) Svalbard is an archipelago wedged into the Arctic ice shelf. And I was there, I think, in 2018 as a guest of the Norwegian government uh, to spend a month in the ice. It's an incredible place. It's where the last robust DNA population of polar bears is. And so there's something like 3,500 polar bears and 2,000 people in the archipelago. It's split between two countries, Norway and Russia. <clears throat> so you can imagine the tensions that go on there. And um, at different times you can get round the main island, but... Um, most often it's shoved partly in there. So I did um, a hot air balloon across towards the pole. So we got as close to the pole as we could in a hot air balloon, which is only the third time they'd managed to do that. And it was bloody stunning, I've got to say. it was That actually was pretty beautiful. That was quite gorgeous. And just going over this landscape that's a combination of walking on the moon and, and being frozen while you're at it because it's awfully cold up there. But they have that big fire in the top, so you're not that bad. But, um, yeah, that was that was pretty stunning. But the thing about Svalbard is it was a mining place. They still do mine there. And the thing about the mines is it was underground mines. It's dirty, it's filthy, it's cold. According to legend, there are 500 people who never came up from the mines in collapses and things and... Of course, Norway and the Nazis, Norway and Germany, um, because they mined coal, the Nazis very carefully came up and bombed the hell out of Svalbard um, and, and killed everybody and burnt everything. So there's this, any miners who were there died in that as well. And what people don't realise is, so there's mining equipment all over the place and like the last coal was being shuffled out onto boats because they don't do it anymore they've closed it and those the last coal was being shuffled out so over this white beautifulness was coal dust just blowing just blowing across industrial waste because they just dump stuff you know there's there's old coal shafts there's all sorts of things a lot of it's being done up now to become the seed banks so out of this utter devastation those same mines are being reinforced and they're saving the planet. They're the arc of our seeds. And so how, how, how's that for a twist? 
And that description really sums up why you've called the exhibition beguiling, because it is beguiling that humanity would do that to what feeds it and nourishes it and uh, sustains it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's very hard to know, and, and yet we keep doing this to places all around the world, like the places I've been and seen this kind of thing and how we shift and change and and we leave behind our rubbish all the time. And, I mean, the rubbish can be a whole town. Like when I worked in China, the rubbish could be an entire village. They just leave it and go on. Um, cruising around different parts of Russia at different stages, there'd be... There was one place I remember asking, like, what... What's on that side of the bay? Because it looked like a town and they said, oh, you're not allowed to go over there. It was deserted in, you know, 1967 suddenly and they rebuilt the town over here. And I said, but there's a truck over there. And they said, yeah, people break in and steal things. But aside from that, <laughs> so no one really knows why they abandoned the town. <laughs> It is an absolutely glorious exhibition for the Victorian Pride Centre to be to be hosting. It's called Beguiling. It starts on November 8th. It runs until January 5th, so heaps of opportunities for people to see it. Dr Lisa Anderson, it has been a joy to meet you here at 3CR. It's, it's been wonderful. In your face. Well, in July, I spoke with performer Stuart Reeve about his show Chameleon. Thank you for having me on. This is so exciting to be here. We're just talking about how there's benevolent spirits in this building and ghosts <laughs> and all of that. Hey, tell us about Chameleon. Uh, Chameleon is a show that I put together um, during that time when we were all locked away for, uh, you know, a few months. Uh, and I had all these voices and these sounds that were just sort of floating around in my head. And I, uh, you know, at this stage, I, I was starting to sort of piece them together into a show. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we came out of that and, and I took it to Adelaide Fringe. Um, and I've been touring it around um, Victoria for the last sort of uh, couple of months. Um, and I'm just about to head over into Gasworks uh, in two weeks time to do a, a season over there so I'm super excited to 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 get it back out there and to um you know start putting these these voices and these sounds and these songs and everything to the the memories that I have growing up and sort of finding my journey and my my path as a as a performer as wow a, yeah so it's a one-man show one-man show yeah, yeah high energy high energy and energy. <laughs> emotional narrative in there as well. Yeah, look, it it, it doesn't get, it doesn't get overly heavy, but it's it's um you know it it just touches on sort of you know I, I wanted to do I didn't want to do an impression show. That's that wasn't the intention with this. You know, my um, singing teacher has always said to me, you know, like you have a fantastic voice and you're so good at not being you, which to me was such a great compliment in a way, backhand a compliment if you want to call it that. But, you know, I I, I, I took that and I sort of ran with it. And, you know, I've, I I wanted to do something different with with these voices and these sounds. So I've attached them to, you know, the, the stories of me growing up, you know, finding, discovering the dress-up basket as a kid and, you know, with my best friends on the weekend and how that, you know, attached to to, to Rocky Horror, you know, the, the, the show that we used to watch as like seven-year-olds, you know, like on VHS over and over again. Uh, and just some of the stories that are connected with with all of that and yeah it's it's a there's so many so many bits in there that I've just had to go through and, and pick the best bits and, and put it together yeah it's it's been fantastic what a great line you're great at not being you and that's kind of you know just served you that name chameleon for yeah the show. yeah it, it has because I you know that my voice has has always taken on 
the character or the sound. It's nothing that I've that I've tried to do deliberately. Uh, you know, I've and, and part of the the show is me trying to find my voice, my my own voice, because every time I sing or, or or do something, it always seems to be in somebody else's voice. So th- this show is about discovering that, but but also I think it's also about just accepting that that, that this is this is who I am as a performer, and and this and this is just what I do. I sort of think of my voice as a, a guitar pedal, and every time I hit that pedal, it changes into something different, and and that's mainly through through music. I, I, I find that sometimes difficult to do just as character voices, but it's it's usually uh, you know through through the power of song that it comes out. <laughs> but has there been a moment when you're performing when you go, oh my god, that is my voice? Sometimes I think I think listening back to something that's been recorded, you know, early on that was the most difficult thing for me to do was listen to my voice back on something and thinking, oh, oh my god, that is that any good? Is that terrible? Um, so now I've sort of just accepted that, and you know, and I, I don't know, I. I, I it's 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 been a strange it's been a strange ride discovering it all again. <laughs> so you're a great interpreter of other people's voices. Yeah, I think I've always been fascinated by certain things in people's voices, um, certain sounds. Um, I I don't know what it is about that fully, but yeah, I've always had this fascination with 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 just how it's created you know it, it it's such an it, it, the voice is such a you know a interesting instrument um and f- for me to be able to sort of mold it in a way to create sounds that sound like other people i think is a really interesting thing to play around with <laughs> you must have a great range yeah i mean it goes it goes up and down you know <laughs> it, yeah it um i i i do it's you know it's it's like going back out on tour it's like lifting a muscle you've you've really got to you know you've got to lift that that weight up and down to get the the voice back up to where it needs to be and i think you know early on in the tour it can you know the ranges can be a little bit limited but certainly by the time i get right into it it it, it does tend to to stretch right out but yeah it goes all over the place <laughs> Whose voice feels great to sing in Chameleon? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, whose voice sings really great to sing? You know, I'm I'm all about mood. I'm all about, you know, some nights I'll be singing a song and I think, oh, that just doesn't sort of resonate with me right now. But, I, you know, I still have to obviously perform it. And there'll be other nights where I'll be really into it and it'll have a really nice feel. Sometimes I, I, I've been really working on... Um, Annie Lennox a lot lately and it I think sometimes when I when I'm really in the zone in that one it that one feels really good it sits in a really nice place and you know I can play around with it um but then just sometimes it could just be like character voices you know like some Avenue Q characters in there that just sit really nice and you know they're fun but I, I am very much a mood person so I always find questions like that really difficult to answer because it's just you know how I feel in that moment it depends on how well it comes out and yeah it must be great, though, when you discover that you can deliver someone else's voice or at least a great interpretation mm, of their voice. Mm. I, 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 yeah, I, I think I discovered that really early on. In the show, I talk about, you know, my mum has a, a CD collection that I used to listen to all the time. And it had some, you know, it had like Simply Red and, uh, you know, Pet Shop Boys and, and Robbie Williams and all of these artists that I just seem to have on repeat all the time. And, and I think I just love the you know, how expressive singing could be. Uh, and 
you know, I used to just listen to these artists on on repeat, you know, just find a song that you love and just keep keep listening to it. And I think maybe that just had some impact early on, just having that on repeat. And then, you know, my, my voice seemed to shape those those sounds and, and it just started to come out that way. So, yeah. It, I... <laughs> what a treat, though, for your punters going along to Gasworks because you've been, you've been, you know, you've been trailblazing on this show for a while, taking it to various places. Mm, um, mm. You've been finessing it. You've been, you mm-hmm. know, basically in the groove for a while now. It must be pretty electric. Yeah, I, I had um it, it, I had someone come to the show uh, when we were out in Potato Shed um, when we were out in Potato Shed me and all the voices in my head were out in Potato Shed um, and they made a really interesting comment which was like you know I mentioned that the, some elements in the show had changed since the first version that I'm constantly tweaking it and they said well I guess you know being the title chameleon it, it adapts and changes to its environment and I was like oh my god that's such a great <laughs> that's such a great line I didn't really you know I didn't really I, I think about it like that because because I'd been so consumed with how things sounded and, and how things were looking. So the show has been changing constantly over the last sort of couple of months. Um, you know, I'll be tweaking it or I'll be changing a song out of it or I'll be changing, you know, those images that go along with the the um, the stories or the, or the voices that I'm doing. So that's been tweaked as we went along, yeah. What's it like having all of those voices in your head? Do you ever feel like you're going mad? Uh- <laughs> You know, um, sometimes, sometimes. Um, I think I, I, I feel like I'm going mad when I am working on a particular voice and that voice is just there and I keep going back to it and I go over and over and over and over. Um, I think that's when I start to feel a little bit crazy. I, I think one of the voices that really got me early on was I, I got asked to do a, a Donald Trump voice out of all voices and and that really bugged me for a long time because I couldn't, nail it and then one day I was just in the shower and it just sort of came to me <laughs> and, and I don't know that that seems to happen with a lot of the voices they just they just sort of fall into place eventually uh, and sometimes that can just be with you know with from not thinking about it after you know a, a couple of days it just sort of instantly all sort of starts to happen it's yeah it's a really strange process so he was that voice that was like how do they do that <laughs> donald well, trump well just the placement of it i think i couldn't i couldn't nail um what about singers though what singers are like really hard to nail singers that are really hard to nail um ooh, i'm trying to think of one that i that i've that i've had sort of sitting around for doesn't, a while it doesn't sound like any of them well, are hard for you to know uh, well i i don't know i think i think it's you know i've there, there would be a couple there that I, that i just can't think of right away but you know there'll be some that i'll sort of try and then i'll sort of put them on the back burner and then they'll bring them back a little bit and see if it works and then yeah sometimes i i think i really have to sort of connect with the sound and the energy of, of the song or the performer and, uh, you know, and then it starts to work. But there, there'll def- there's definitely a few of them out there that just, that it would be, <laughs> I think, I think it's, Talking voice is harder than singing voice for me, I think, with, yeah. Yeah. I mean, through. in terms of singing voices, who's been surprisingly easy? Has, has there been one where you thought, that's going to be hard, and then you're like, well, actually, whoa, it's easy. Uh, I think the easy ones are the ones that I've grown up with. So, you know, one of the ones that gets thrown around a lot is Robbie Williams. That's, that's one because it's been with me since, like, you know, <laughs> early 90s. You know, then it would be, like, Simply Red or, like, the Pet Shop Boys. Um, you know, one that I, that I sort of keep, 
I keep pushing away from, but I really enjoy sometimes is Phil Collins. Like my my thing is trying to stay away from all the cliche ones that you know that seem to get that just seem to be out there all the time. Um, but some of those ones I do enjoy. But then there'll be like you know Tones and I, which I've which I've tried to polish over time. And then you know Annie Lennox is in there as well. Um, you know Macy Gray is there. There's a, there's a whole heap of them. Um, but I think it's the the ones that I've grown up with would have to be the easiest ones that, that come to me. What about the voice where you're like, I really want that voice. I wish it was mine. <laughs> I think the voice that I, I really want, um, again, it changes. I think um, Mick Hucknell from Simply Red, I, I think just has at the moment in my head this crazy range and goes into places where I'm like, oh, how is he doing some of those notes? So he's in your head a lot at the moment. He's in he's in my head a lot at the moment. Um, I've been trying to nail a couple of um, other Phil Collins songs. There's there's some songs that I can I can get right in in the voices and then there's other voices then there's other songs in those voices that I'm just like, I don't even know where that goes to because the shape of my mouth changes and the placement changes and sometimes though there's particular notes in particular songs that are really hard to 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 get to so i have to choose the songs wisely from the artists that i'm that i'm uh, i'm doing i can't do all of their songs um but yeah i've often gone i've often thought about that i think at the moment it, w- it would be yeah mick hucknell yeah his his voice goes to crazy places and it's and it's so nice <laughs> it's- how do you feel at the end of a show? I mean, that is, that's full on. I know. It's it's an hour of, of just being on. I think that's the biggest. 120%. 120%. I think that's the hardest thing with performing um, that a lot of people don't get. You know, we sort of sit around all day. You know, we might have a side hustle. You will, you know, you, you'll sort of reserve your energy right up until you're on and then you sort of burn it all in that hour you know and and by the end of this by the end of the show um I, I feel exhausted you know I'm, I'm I feel like it's been a bit of a vocal workout because the voice is going up and down and moving left and right into places that it doesn't normally do on a daily basis um and then of course just mentally trying to remember all of the you know where where all of the the things go in the, in the show, and then connecting with the audience, and so it it's a it's a really intense hour, and to come down from that afterwards is, you know, it's like oh, <laughs> I just want to go and and hide for a little bit. You know, I I love sitting in a really quiet room, you know, no TV, no noise, like just driving back from somewhere with with nothing happening is is ideal straight after a show because it's just nice to be in that quiet space for a, a little bit of time. <laughs> Well, you've got three days of it coming up, July 27 to 29. That's three really intense <laughs> yes. days. Um, I reckon, though, by day three, you're going to be in the rhythm and it's going to be kind of hard to let go of it. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, that's the that's the the thing about this is that, you know, when you, when you start to run a show and you start to find bits in a show that work really well or you rethink a section that, you know, it gets a different reaction or you start to play around with the audience a bit more. You know, it's it's yeah. It probably is by day three that you start to find the groove, and then you know, for this this run, that's going to be the the final show. Um, yeah, look, it's 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 going to. I'm looking forward to being at Gasworks. It's going to be a really great space to be in. Yeah, is there going to be another run? 
Uh, I just saw an email come in today about that uh, and discussions for 2024. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're, we're sort of in talks about, you know, where it would go and then, you know, who knows? I mean, last year we were in Edinburgh with a different different show and that was fantastic. Uh, we did New Zealand as well. So possibly it could be, could be touring, you know, around Australia and internationally. Watch this space. What else is in the pipeline for you? I mean, look, we're, we're heading into spring soon then, summer. I can't imagine you doing nothing musically. <laughs> uh, I was going to say a holiday is going to be, is going to be my, my answer. Um, you know, the, the, the magical thing about showbiz is that you just think, oh, that's done, and you put that down, and you think, oh, my God, there's going to be no work for, you know, the next six months, and then the phone will ring, and then you'll be doing something, you know, crazy. I mean, I was, you know, a couple of months ago, I was up at um, Brunswick Heads at the Brunswick Picture House, you know, being part of a cheeky cabaret up there doing songs, and, you know, so, and that was that was totally unplanned. So I'm sure there'll be other things like that that will just randomly come along and I'll, I'll, um, I'll slip into them. But I don't know at this stage. You must be writing another show, though. Come on. There must be something in that oh back pocket, Stuart. <laughs> the, it's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, you know, I've... I you know, all through lockdown, I, I mean, I have a pile of drafts at home that's like a, you know, a ream of paper. Um, and, you know, it, it took, it took, because I'm not, I'm not naturally a writer. I'm more of a, you know, I pick up a script or pick up lyrics and sing or, you know, and, and sort of stand there and do that. That's what, that's what I normally do. So this was a really interesting process for me to go around and around in circles, um, editing, going back through stories. Yeah. So, I, I think I'll let this sort of breathe for a little bit and then, you know, whatever comes afterwards, I think it'll just be a natural process when I when I start to put something else together. But I think for now, um, I, I think it's it, I finally, you know, the show is in a good place and it'll be great to just sort of tour and get it out there and, and yeah, and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Such a treat for your audience's chameleon at Gasworks in Albert Park, July 27 to 29. Stuart Reeve, it's been awesome meeting you at 3CR. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me on. 3CR.
flip that groove with clouty will, love your body, take control. And I chatted with flip that groove, aka Paulie Field, here at 3CR earlier this year. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be here today. You've got a big history with this radio station. I have a bit of a history, yeah. Yeah, they've been very kind to me and my music over the years and um, they, they've played me when a lot of other Australian music industry radios haven't. So I love this station. Yeah, I mean, we're a big supporter of Australian music and, I mean, you know, dance techno funk is such a great rhythm. You must just love doing that genre. I love that genre. I love combining and fusing you know, beats and tunes and, and genres and samples just to just to build my own picture, and that's kind of what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's it like being a songwriter in that genre? I mean, yeah, like what's your what's your formula? I'm still learning. I'm learning as I go. I've been learning this this whole music bit for years now, and and just m- my processes is I, I start with drum beats and loops, and I, I bring them in, and and I'm. I'm quite happy to bring in like a a northern soul or Motown snare drum and then I'll bring in a little bit of Middle Eastern sort of uh, drum tech to try to link up some of the bits of the song and and that's my start of my process in in my sound. You know, if people want to identify it as dance, techno, hip-hop, I'm happy for it to be what it is. You've spent a lot of time in the UK. Tell us about that. Um, I went over there as a teenager and I grew up and I was exposed to a lot of uh, sort of variety of music from punk, hard punk, um, sort of well, northern soul, a sort of dance music and the, the new wave that came after that, you know, leading into great bands like Bronsky Beat and Sade and things like that, all those really great artists. So I, I absorbed all that when I was there before I bailed out and came back home. And the politics of those eras when those bands were like, you know, happening in the in the 80s was kind of like, you know, it was so repressive with Thatcher, but it was just like, you know, a breeding ground for such music creativity. Yeah, and, and artists and music, so they got a big voice to play in that and, and to, to be a voice for, for some of those sort of political waves that were coming over and, and I really enjoyed listening to that on some of the, you know, the smaller radio stations that I was only, the only way I could access music uh, was listening in and tuning in to some of those sounds uh, and sort of and capturing some of those moments. So there, was a, there was a lot of bad energy but a lot of positive stuff came out of it creatively with those artists of the day and, and that's still resonating today. And, and we as artists are, are taking the next wave of, of being, you know, creative and having a voice for those people. Because it was the birth of electronic music. And I remember back then, you know, like computer-generated music was given a lot of kind of, you know, flack, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't seen yeah. as real music. But yeah. in actual fact, now it's yeah. like, you know, it's seen as a genius. Of course, we reflect back on Depeche Mode and some of those other bands and they were geniuses and... Uh, uh, and and we they they went with the technology that was evolving of the time, and it was such a great era for you know burgeoning kind of you know queer music as well with Bronsky Beat. Yeah, um, you know, there's a certain ambiguity about Depeche Mode. No one's yeah. really quite sure what yeah. their kind of you know identity is around that, mm. but they're kind of you know certainly allies. Um, but you know, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yeah, Frankie was great. He burst on the scene. Them them dance tunes were going off and. You know, that uh, eclectic nature of what he did or what they did as a band, it was phenomenal. It was amazing. Still today, you know, I love putting them tracks on. 
So tell us about, like, you know, how you kind of, um, I guess, you know, record. Like, what's your process for recording? Uh, I, I start off on my own, and I, as I said before, I, I, I start tuning into some of the beats and sounds in the in the in the equipment that I've got and I bring that in and I, I start to fuse and mix some of those things. I do love reggae and ska as well, so I get some of those jumpy, bumpy sort of noises as well and I bring them into it and uh, and, and I do it very quickly um, and, and I, tr- I try not to overthink it. And, uh, and then as I bring it in and I bring some of the, like I said, some of the Middle Eastern sounds, drop them in, lay down those those big noises and then I'm starting picking up the bass and I, I'll bring in the bass. Years ago I was only ever allowed as a bass player to have one track in a recording but now I'm in charge so I, I've got four bass tracks going. I've got ascending, descending, arpeggios, one notes and effects pedals. I'm loving it as a bass player now in control of my own sort of bass noise. So it's a big bass sound for me. And that's one of the pluses of the era we're living in, that, you know, people are able to do it themselves, you know. There's there's much more space to be an independent artist yeah. doing independent kind of solo work without yeah. anybody telling you what to do. Of course, affordability is everything, you know, and, and we don't have to monetize it. We don't need a return on the investment. We can just be artists and just paint that or that audio picture and release it out there without having a huge you know, economy behind us or be signed and restricted by a label or a PR company telling us how, what and when. We can just do it. Your songwriting process and recording process sounds very intuitive. Yeah, it is. And then I guess I take that out there as a a music sort of creator. uh, I'm not a producer. I create that and I try to find people with the similar mindset and who want to be just as creative and, I, and I, I kind of connect with those people like I have done recently with uh, the Madame Nightingale and Cloudy Will and a few others and and bring their energy into it and boom, sparks are flying and, and it's a really wonderful experience for me as a music creator to, to be able to release music with these other collaborators because it's, it's, it's the collaboration I like. It's that energy of the, you know, that the other people that I really kind of get off on, you know, and it's it's sort of erotic to me in the sense that I've created music that you can kind of do so much to and with, with some other people and amazing people too. And I can tell that you absolutely love the collaboration with Cloudy yeah. Will on Love Your yeah. Body, Take Control. Um, so what's the backstory to how you guys got together on that track? Well, I, I was going to... Uh, Madam Nightingale's um, video release night, and I was sort of there supporting her. You know, we've been been friends for a while and made music, and I was fi- filming and taking photos. And I met Cloudy Will, supporting that event. And um, this is quite recently. Yeah, yeah, just recently. Yeah, I, I move pretty fast. I'm quick, quick operator. And I was watching the first song, and I was kind of getting a feel of it, and then. Boom, she came on, an incredible performer. I had to put the camera down and watch her performance and I was I was blown away by her performance. It was it was erotic, sexual, it was it was everything that was just flying off the stage and I I went up quietly and asked her I said that was fabulous, the best thing I've seen in years. 
And um, we had a chat and a connection. And I had some studio time booked in the big studio to do some work already scheduled. And I invited her to come along and have a play in the big studio. And she, she said yes. And that's where this last release has come from. It was up and out in two weeks after that, three weeks after that. Bang. Wow, that is so quick. But that's kind of how records used to be made in the yeah. 60s and 70s, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly right. They used to go in. They had studio time, book, bang, finish, out you go. And they'd press and do the labels and off they go in vinyl. I don't do vinyl. I, vinyl's not me. I'm a digital artist. So I can get it out there. I can get it out there off some of the str- on the, some of the streams in seven days from recording to writing, recording, bang, seven days. I like fast, rapid-fire kind of creativity that's what i'm about yeah and that means you can really go with what's happening emotionally but yeah. also with what you know kind of opportunities and, and connections yeah you know come yeah. your way and process Bang. stuff that is really that is really it's beyond empowering it's a really practical skill to have as well it is and i don't mind mistakes when i do that i don't i don't hide mistakes i don't i allow them to exist there organically and and i listen back and reflect and i might think yeah i'd do that better but i like it to release it and it's out in the universe on its own energy and that's what I like about that so yeah and you know there's got to be that spontaneity and there's got to be that kind of you know that kind of free-flowing sound that goes with creating something in the moment you know a bit like live radio yeah exactly right it is that energy you get off on that energy of live radio or or live live performance and live art in itself and street art as well and street performers I love all that stuff I'm out there walking photographing and filming just street art because I get off that energy and it's that immediacy that I like. So your output must be really prolific. It, it has been this last two years. It's been huge as a music uh, sort of kind of creator. It's been probably 60 songs in 18 months. 60 songs? Yeah. That's with, huge. With seven collaborators under three music artistic identities that I work under. That's extraordinary. It is what it is. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's ready to go again. So, um, but I'm not holding back. It's out in the universe. We live once. I'm putting it out there. And do you find that the projects that you're working on are kind of, you know, diverse? Like, you mean Lost Dogs of Ultimo? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm the Ultimo dog. So tell us about that. Tell us about that project. That started, that started the whole thing, right? And I wanted to... In 22, coming out of, um, obviously, the COVID times, I was out walking the streets of Collingwood, Smith Street and Fitzroy and taking some back lane photos of graffiti art and artists and just the culture of the streets that here and the energy. And I was going back to my studio and I was putting the photographs and videos together and I I've got to put some soundtracks. I need sound. So I created the sounds and I would just release these little reels and videos and, and just capturing that energy coming out of this, that place. And, and I just wanted to build from that. And then I went, you know what, I'm, I'm going to release one a week. So I re- wanted to release 52 tracks in 22. And that's where a lot of that bulk of that came from. And I, I got to 51. I got sick by COVID myself, which shut that one week down. So... But it's still an extraordinary, you know, yeah. prolificness. Yeah. So you, you've been kind of like that for a couple of years. Was it was it was it the COVID lockdown that kind of brought that on? Like what what's I kind was, of evoked all that? Well, I was experimenting and I was working at home and kind of a little bit restricted in you know the the lockdown mentality and I was trying to developing 
sort of soundscapes and songs and soundtracks because that's what I, my whole project has been about with the three artist profiles is I see, I hear them as soundtracks to life, to life in general and themes that we live on in life like mental health and, you know, just sexuality and diversity and, you know, identity for from young people right through to the age that are, you know, sort of touch poor and tactile poor and, and I wanted to tell the stories through my music and, and through some of the, not just the lyrical content because I do a lot of instrumentals but just the energy of the song and the beats and and the sort of noise I was creating if people get it it's great I love it if they do but I'm just still gonna do it so you've got three music identities yeah. flip that groove lost dogs of Ultima and what's the third that's the angry me that's the crush puppets that's when I kick down doors and knock down walls and that's when I I, I have a little crack at people that or things and institutions that piss me off okay so i've written songs about donald trump okay i apologize to anyone who like him uh trump's a donkey and that was the title the last release i talked about institutionalized abuse with the i once again apologize the catholic church george pell i wrote a song pell this is not a love song that's the crush puppets i released that on the day he was buried I was on my way to Sydney at the time to do a little busking release, but I was sort of encouraged to back off because I wouldn't get near the event, so um, that's okay. Um, and mental health, you know, me mental health is everywhere and we need to talk about it, and I talk about it in a positive way. Alternative Function was a song about mental health. I collaborated with another great guy I know up in um, the peninsula where I um, I come from. So the Crush Puppets are kind of punk. It's punk. It's hardcore in your face. A bit like the Sex Pistols. Like yeah. In your face. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Sex Pistols. And it's got that genre, you know. I, I was in England and I like all that stuff as well as I like I'm diverse and I like all the dance hip-hop as well. Um, so they're my three artist outlets. So, But, you know, I'm really enjoying what I'm creating, collaborating with Flip That Groove. It's a real energy for me now. It's... It's music that you can cook to, you can dance to, and you can fuck to, and that's Flip That Groove. Yeah, and it's really great for, like, the dance floor, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it is. Like it's, yeah. It's, I, I imagine yeah. I, could really, I could really see, you know, people getting into it on the dance floor. Um, but, you know, after partying, before partying, yeah. Um, and, yeah, just when you do the dishes or cooking. Yeah, that's me. That's what I do. I, I, I put music on and I do all that stuff. Not my own. I put others, and I'm absorbing music and sounds and I'm I'm music's everywhere in my life and that's what I do and I and, and I do all those things with music. <laughs> so it sounds like you make the music that you want to listen to. I do, but I lose I and you can hear other influences in my music and I I celebrate my influences in my music to Pesh Mode, you know, and and Bronsky Beat and and the Pistols and and some of those other bands from my those genres and eras. That's there, that's in all those music and that's my my influences in my journey in this life and, and maybe maybe somewhere I'm going to influence someone else to stand up and be a voice to themselves and that's what I, I hope that happens one day. Do you think the late 70s and early 80s in the UK were kind of like a high watermark for, for, for music creativity and production in the UK? Yeah, yeah. Did it allow people to do it yourself? And people do it, you know. That's what that those sort of mu those music sort of bursts onto the scene, especially with the new romantic era. It was oh, very much yeah, like you yeah. know, even Duran Duran and you know the you know all the 
and labels and that. Labels were grabbing people out of out of clubs and basically were, giving yeah. them contracts, yeah, without them necessarily even knowing how to play instruments. I know yeah, that's exactly right. They they sometimes they looked at image and what they could do, and Malcolm McLaren was all about that too, and and that they just created an energy and an image, and and some of them learnt on the job and learnt that there and then, and. And that's good, and they're still. Some of them are still being creative now, and that's good. It and gave them an opportunity. And you've never sold out from your music principles. That's what I love about your work. You know, you've thank you. I appreciate you've, that. You've never sold out, and you've what no. you've done is you've just. I wouldn't say yeah, doubled down, but also just built on that accumulated knowledge and skill over yeah. over decades. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think right. I think that's why you're flourishing because yeah. it's kind of you know it's taken a long time to get to that point, and now yeah. it's just like going whoosh. Yeah, you've that's really kind. That's lovely of you to say that. Yeah, it is, and it's been a long journey. You know, I have been in bands, and I've been on four other labels, and. Uh, you know, and I've toured with bands and I've played as a as a musician in bands and other artists and I've done that stuff and, and, and this is the, the me, the real me being me and allowing other artists to be themselves rather than and explore their own artistic outlet and that's what I'm trying and hopefully encouraging other people to do with, with my journey and, and the project is a project, you know, and it's just everyone's project that's involved with me. I'd love to hear a, 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 a Flip That Groove remix or collaboration with Madame Nightingale. I think you know her vocals <laughs> uh, and their tunes and you doing the production and coming up with new stuff with them could be really, really amazing dance techno funk. Yeah, it probably would. It would do, yeah. That would be lovely. I would love that opportunity. Anything in the pipeline there? No, there's always something in the pipeline with us both. Um... um but yeah, look, we're we're all we're constantly evolving, and and we are writing and doing things sort of on the side and coming together at different times when we're both available. She's very busy doing her fringes and travelling interstate, and and I, I love watching that happen as well. So, what are you writing at the moment? What's the latest song you've been working on? Oh well, I'm working on a sort of a a little kind of classical piece um, with just a very stripped back keyboard and a cello. And a cello. It's, yeah, it's a cello. Beautiful. And it's I know it is beautiful. It's it it was kind of instrumentalist uh, but um we're trying to adding a little vocal. I'm very minimal on vocals, on lyrical content, but vocal noises I like to bring those noises in. But uh I would that's where I'm at. A little bit it's a little bit of quirky classical, but I'm just I'm probably a week away from tweak, maybe a little bit longer than tweaking it, getting the right dynamic. It's a little different. Wow. I put a little reel up that's highlighted it on the Instagram page where you you may see if you wanted to have a look, if you was interested out there. Well, Flip That Groove is an amazing, amazing act, as are the Crush Puppets and Lost Dogs of Ultimo. And people can hear you on Bandcamp. Bandcamp, yes, and any other little streaming service you like to tune into. But Bandcamp is the best to support all independent artists. 3CR In Your Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook. <laughs>